Holla! And welcome to Hiding Behind the Music Stand. I'm your host, Patty Ryan, and with me is Sun Lee Pierce, who is a mezzo-soprano who has just completed the Houston Grand Opera Studio Program and is beginning work as a soloist with performances at the San Francisco Opera, Detroit Opera, and Calgary Opera. And we'll be talking about beer. Welcome, Sun Lee. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Of course, the great connects that they are, Tommy Glass and Gabrielle Glass, connected us together for me being an instrumentalist, it wasn't always easy for me to meet vocalists. Mm. So I'm always on the search of interviewing vocalists. So thank you for joining me today. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm happy to do it. Any excuse to talk about beer is good. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Can I ask you what your most insane performance or audition story is? Oh, gosh. Yeah. My most insane audition story was for, I'll say like a nameless, wonderful company. But it was an audition that Oh my gosh, I truly bombed. I felt like in every, oh no. <laughs> in every way humanly possible. It was a couple years ago and it was for a summer festival. So when I went in for the audition, it was at Opera America, which is where lots of festivals and houses will hold like auditions, especially for young singers. So I had gone in and the proctor for the audition had told us that we could only offer one selection. So a lot of times like singers will offer like arias, songs, and most of the time like you'll go in with a set of four or five and you'll start with one and then they'll choose another so this whole like you're only going to have time to sing one because there are so many people auditioning is like it's a big moment to figure out what you want to sing and so I had decided to sing this Korean art song that one of my really good pianist friends being you Sanford had taught to me the summer prior and so I went in and I go in and I sing it And I felt like it went pretty well. And then one of the panelists said, oh, actually, can we hear your Mozart? And it Uh totally, totally caught me off guard. Uh It was one of those things. It was like an out-of-body experience where I watched it happen to me. And Uh I'm pretty sure I made up 40% of the words. And like (laughs) not even like not even passable like foreign language words. Like I'm pretty sure they were like exclamations of terror. Like, (laughs) like it was so, so, so bad. And at the end, I just smiled. I was like, thank you. And then I (laughs) left. They had callbacks and I absolutely did not get a callback. It was like an intense moment of true failure. But then the crazy part was that then the next day I got a text from them and they had offered me a contract. And I totally totally thought that I had like bombed it because I'm not even kidding. Like I called my voice teacher. I was like, I really think I just embarrassed you. Like, I'm so (laughs) sorry. Like it was so, so bad. But then it ended up like being totally fine. But it was really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a true testament to like your vocal improvisation. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Maybe I just (laughs) caught them like right after a break or something. (laughs) Full on lunch. (laughs) No, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've all been in sim- like a similar situation where you get that like weird out of body, like you, you just kind of go into this shock mode of like, oh my god, I gotta get through this. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like fight or flight yeah. mode, like total survivor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that story. I'm yeah. glad it was a happy ending too. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. I mean, I think I would still share it regardless just because of yeah, yeah. just how crazy it was, but yeah. Yeah, totally. Can you tell me about Luna? Oh my gosh, my kitty, Luna. She is going to be five this year she is a black kitty she's like 
a little white spot on her chest and like two white toes. Oh, she's like the most precious treasure that has ever come into my life. She is so sweet. And yeah, I had to lock her out because she's very, she's very noisy. Yeah. (laughs) She is the cat of a singer. So yeah, she's very vocal. Does she sing with you? Sometimes. Okay. Just to, (laughs) it depends. Okay. (laughs) Is there any special adoption story with her? It was kind of on a whim a few years ago, as I think like a lot of young musicians, like I get the sense that there are a lot of impulsive adoptions. And this was definitely one of them. But I do not regret it was like it was a PetSmart that had brought in like a bunch of animals from a humane society. Yeah. And I made the fatal error of asking if I could go into room and play with her because we were bonding through the glass. And then I ended up (laughs) I ended up going home with her. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? Whenever I go to PetSmart, I also go and say hi to the kitties just because I feel like they need some love kind yes. of thing. Never with like the intention of adopting and I haven't adopted yet. But I asked one of the employees there once just out of curiosity how often they actually get adopted and they're like actually very quickly. And I was like, Oh, well, that's, that's good because I yeah. wasn't sure. But then your story kind of, you know, supports that. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things like when you know, you know, and when it's right, it's easy. And it was such an easy adoption process yeah. and it was just totally fate. So I haven't looked back since. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, please give Luna a big, or not a big, a little pet on the head. A little pet. On, yeah. I'll give her a treat for being so good and not yeah. <laughs> bugging me <laughs> yeah. for this like brief period of time. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for some Spitfire questions? Ooh, yes. <laughs> I think <Okay>. so. <laughs> Robert Schumann or Johannes Brahms? Ooh, Brahms. Tchaikovsky or Stravinsky? Ooh, Stravinsky. Mm-hmm. Chocolate or vanilla? Ooh, chocolate. Apples or oranges? Apples? Apples. Yeah, I think apples. Yeah. What's your favorite kind of apple? Probably Fuji apples. Yeah. I feel like as, as someone who is half Chinese, I've eaten a lot of oranges. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> See, I was going to say as being half Chinese too, like I've eaten a lot of Fuji apples. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Cut up fruit. <laughs> Nothing like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brought by your mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Favorite zoo animal to see? Oh, seals. Seals. Hands. Oh, okay. Hands down. What about them? Oh, well, I just, I love aquariums. I love marine life. And there's right. something about seals. They're like, because I grew up with dogs, even though, yes, I, I love kitty. But seals are like, for me, the dogs of the ocean. And I just yeah. think it's so cute. Like, not like the sea lions are the ones that walk on their flippers mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. seals have to literally, like, shrug to get around. <laughs> and it's just like, there's something about it that is just so, so stinking cute. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and they do this thing, like, when they're, like, sunbathing out on rocks, they mm-hmm. do this thing called bananaing, how they, like, mm-hmm. stretch and they kind of look like a little banana, I guess. And, Oh my god, they're just, yeah, they're perfect little <laughs> creatures. I love them yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. Fan favorite question. And this is at your discretion, because I'm not sure how this quite applies for vocalists. Favorite concerto for any instrument or instruments in any genre? Ooh, uh, if I'm gonna try and salt and pepper like a vocal concerto kind of work. I was introduced by a friend in college to the Mozart Vore Spiegarfio Dio. It's one of his concert arias that not a lot of people I feel like seem to know about it's a soprano aria so nothing that I would sing but I was like immediately obsessed with it like the first moment I heard it that would probably be way up there okay I guess I'm not familiar with it either so I'll have to 
put yes. it on our very brand new Spotify playlist. Yes, perfect. Absolutely. I highly recommend. Do you have a vocalist that you would recommend? Erin Morley, for sure. Okay, cool. Last show you recommended to a friend? Like an opera or like a movie? Oh, well, actually, it's I'll leave it up to whatever interpretation you'd like. Oh. Um, I think I meant television show, but honestly, you can recommend any kind of show. So for opera, I would say the Poulenc Dialogues of the Carmelites. I recently recommended that to someone who had not heard it before. And then for... For movies, I saw this really bizarre movie the other day, an A24 movie. I'm like, I really, really love films. And there's this new-ish film company called A24. And they put out these kind of niche films. And there's this movie that just came out called Men. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not a family film. But for people who are interested in something that's totally different and a little weird, I would totally recommend that. Okay. All right. This is a little bit of a two-parter. Favorite Disney hero or heroine? And villain? Oh my god. Oh, I love this question. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thanks. I, I kind of came up with it this morning. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's not something I've thought about, but now, like, now I feel like my impulse answer might be Wreck-It Ralph, simply because oh. he is, like, kind of both, and I feel like there's something, like, interesting about that, about is anyone really a villain? Is anyone really a hero? Like, uh-huh. you could be both, like, depending on your perspective or, like, who you're talking to, and just the idea of the two things are not, like, mutually exclusive. I don't know if that's kind of, like, a weird no, <laughs> way to interpret answer. The question, but that's like the first thing that comes to mind immediately. Otherwise, like, I feel like the other impulse answer would definitely be Mulan is like the best female hero for me and then oh gosh what's the the hung guy oh no the bad guy in it do you know what I mean like (laughs) yeah worst travel story oh yeah I remember when I was in college I was able to do a short language immersion program in Vienna which was like super cool It was like three weeks of just working on language and obviously eating like way 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 too much um (laughs) and I remember the, like, at the end of the program, when I had to fly home, my flight was at, like, 5 in the morning. And so Mm -hmm. I got to the airport at, like, 2 or 3 in the morning. And by the time I got, like, to the kiosk or whatever to have my boarding pass printed, they were like, oh, your flight has been canceled for, like, the last, like, four hours. And so the flight that they rescheduled me for was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So I had to, like, hang out in the airport for almost 12 hours. It was yeah. insane that was did a you hard get time. yourself a nice cold beer or <laughs> <laughs> no I, at that point I was so exhausted I'm pretty sure I like slept the whole time yeah. but yeah. yeah when I got home for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah wow that sucks I'm sorry I'm yeah. glad you survived it though favorite professor shout out Ooh, I definitely feel like I would for sure want to shout out all of my professors at the Bard Vocal Arts Program like Kyle Iwama and Erica Switzer, Elizabeth Reese. My graduate school experience was unlike any other I'd ever had. Not that I went to other graduate schools, but in terms of like an educational experience, it was huge and like wonderfully positive. So I feel like any way that I can ever shout out to that program and because it's a small program that not a lot of people know about, anytime that I can give a shout out to that program for sure. Nice. Most transformative performance experience? Hmm. 
probably this past season at Houston Grand Opera, they did a production of Dialogues of the Carmelites, mm-hmm. the um, Poulenc Opera that I mentioned earlier. And I feel like that was pretty transformative simply because it was like a convergence of a whole bunch of things in my past that kind of lined up for that one moment. Like my first opera that I ever saw live in person was Carmen at Glimmerglass Opera in Cooperstown. And that was Francesca Zambello, who is a really prominent opera director in the industry. That was her first season there at Glimmerglass. And when I was in college, there was a production of Dialogues of the Carmelites that I saw that had like totally changed my life. It was like the most amazing opera that I had ever seen. And then this production of HG that um, HGO did of Dialogues was directed by Francesca with the most amazing cast. And so it was kind of like all these things lined up from my past of very formative experiences or, mm. or people that had been influential in my life all of a sudden were lining up for this one really, really special production. I think that definitely is going to be something that I'll remember forever. I felt like it totally changed my life. That's cool that that piece too continues to reoccur yeah can you tell us a little bit about i mean not the full synopsis but maybe the plot of the opera yeah so the opera takes place during the french revolution kind of when everyone's getting their heads chopped off and everything Mm -hmm. and so it's about this order of carmelite nuns who decide that martyrdom is the only way that they can honor God in the midst of all the revolting that's happening in the country. And I guess there's like, I mean, it's based off of a true story of a a true order of nuns who ended up dying at the guillotine for this. Like some of the other characters are obviously, they're, they're not real, but it focuses on one nun in particular and her struggle with fear and and pride and all of these things that can stand in the way or be obstacles on the way of deciding to give your life over to like a, a higher cause or realize that the world is much bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. So it's a very powerful, certainly not a, a happy piece, but a very powerful piece. Well, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the most popular operas are not always the happiest operas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's usually like a lot of death, a lot of like sad things. So yeah. Yeah. Opera is definitely yeah. very dramatic. Or dark. Yes. Or, or some are very twisted too. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, some some problematic plot points in some of them for sure. <laughs> so to be expected, but yes. <laughs> alternate universe musical instrument. Oh, no, I'm not like brown nosing by any means, but absolutely the cello. The cello oh, okay. is my favorite. <laughs> favorite favorite instrument if there were another instrument I could play I would look I feel like I don't have like because I grew up like playing the violin but Uh I was always kind of like oh the cello like sounds so much cooler and you can like really really sit down and hold this like big instrument because the bass was like way too much yeah too big Um, (laughs) and I was like I was like everyone plays the violin like I want to play something Mm -hmm. that not everyone plays blah 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 so skip over viola yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) well and people always say that the cello is the most vocal of it instruments or i don't know that's yeah. what they say i mean <laughs> yeah no no here, so no they do sense, maybe yeah well you finished the spitfire questions congratulations thank you yeah. <laughs> i did okay <laughs> absolutely apparently my technique triangle technique is horrible so <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize that there was tri- I, See, that's a horrible i know thing and all say. the percussionists are just they just like kind of you know roll their eyes at me and they're like nope <laughs> that's not it i'm like <laughs> I've tried. I've taken some lessons. I promise. (laughs) 
<laughs> Just a bad student. Anyway, suddenly, can you walk me through your musical origin story? How did you discover music? I guess I assumed singing kind of came initially, but apparently you played violin. I had no, no idea about that. But along the way, when did you decide to become a vocalist? When you chose that to be something to pursue as a profession and the steps along the way to where you are today? Interesting. Yes. I didn't start out singing when I was younger. I have an older sister and a younger brother. And so all of us took piano growing Mm -hmm. up. And then when I was about five or six, I started playing the violin and I played both instruments all through high school. I went to a public high school, Clinton High School in Clinton, New York. And I had, as I think many musicians did, like developed a really wonderful relationship with the music department at my school. In particular, my high school choir teacher, basically, she kind of helped me realize that like, oh, I really like singing. And this is something that I might actually be good at because I started singing in choir, like when I was Mm -hmm. in elementary school and middle school, and then in high school, and every now and then would like audition for solos if they had them. And then sometimes I would get the solo, like sometimes I would but even getting it at all kind of like made me wonder like oh like maybe I kind of can sing and so I did some small like state festivals and things like that as I came up through school and when it came time to kind of figure out what I wanted to do for college, the teachers in my music department really encouraged me to consider going to school for music. And at the Mm. time, I was like, heck yes, like I would love to go to school for music. And in particular, I was really interested in going to school for music education, simply because they had had such a profound impact on me and my development as a young person, but also like a young musician. And I remember thinking that like, violin is way, 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 way too hard. Like if I'm going to go to school (laughs) for Mm. something, if I had to like choose an instrument to major yeah. in, I was like, oh, singing is like way easier. I'm absolutely like, that's, that's <laughs> I was like, that's what I'm going to do because <laughs> violin is like way too hard. And then of course I figured out that singing is actually really, really hard <laughs> too. So, <laughs> but it was kind of like, no turning back now. So I auditioned for music education programs at a couple of different places, like state universities and other smaller like private schools. And on that list was the Eastman School of Music. And so I auditioned for them. And somehow it was another one of those like crazy experiences with the cat. Like I just walked on campus with my mom who had taken me to all of my auditions. And I was like, I absolutely feel like I have to go to school here. I I could just Uh like feel it that it was the right thing but it just felt like oh my gosh it felt like a one in a million chance and that was definitely the most competitive school that I had applied to so my mom was very supportive but also like you know just like prepare for the worst but hope for the best kind of thing right and then it ended up working out and so I went there for music education and after the first semester or so my voice teacher there asked me if I had ever considered like switching over to performance and doing a performance degree instead. And I was like, not really. Like I liked performing and I had done like musicals and stuff like that. Like I love musical theater. I had done a lot of that growing up, but I'd never really thought of like having a performance career. It just seemed totally crazy. And, you know, there were a lot of people that I went to school with who, you know, talked about how competitive it is, like people who really knew the industry and, and knew how hard it is, whether it was like family or just they had, you know, been singing from a young age. But eventually through my music history classes and theory classes that taught me more about opera and about like classical voice, I kind of got 
bitten by the bug and thought it was like a really, really interesting challenge. Like there was so much in it that I felt would fuel my curiosity. Like I love people, the idea of like working with people collaborating to make a production or, or do something like that's one of the things that I love about music so much. And the idea of working in opera felt like you could do that at like the highest level possible. So I ended up auditioning to switch over to performance. And then I did that. And once I had finished undergraduate, I had felt like conservatory is hard. And I want to make sure that if I want to go back to school or whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it with purpose. I'm doing it decidedly instead of just kind of surrendering to the power of inertia and just like keeping in momentum forever. So I took a year off. And during that time, just worked different jobs, desk jobs, waited tables. And then during that time, like a applied to graduate school. And then I ended up applying to the Bard Vocal Arts Program, the graduate vocal arts program that Don Upshaw, a wonderful, wonderful, incredible singer, was running at the time. And I felt like I wanted something totally different from my conservatory training, something that was going to be very small, individualized, and would explore more than just opera, because I had found that like, I really loved opera, but there were all these different things that you could do like chamber music, art song. I also found myself like really interested in contemporary music. So Dawn's program just seemed like it was the perfect fit. And I had been introduced to it by a couple of colleagues of mine who had gone there or auditioned there previously uh, before my time there and really enjoyed the program. So I went and auditioned and was really lucky to get in. And so I spent two years there and they were just totally, totally life-changing. Like the amount of time and care because it's a small program that went into my colleagues and my development as people and as artists was I just think like unlike anything I could have ever imagined because I'm definitely a a proponent of like the slow brisket cook rather than like a pressure cooker I was like all right I finished graduate school I'm gonna take another year off Uh (laughs) and At that time, I was like, I don't know if I want to do a young artist program or if I want to get an artist diploma. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't totally sure. And so during that time, I actually worked for the graduate vocal arts program. I ran the admissions cycle for the orchestra now, which Mm -hmm. is one of the semi-professional orchestral training program there. So I did that for a year. And then there was a change in admin. A lot of people kind of like moved around into different positions. So I ended up taking over program coordinating for Mm -hmm. my graduate program. So I did both at the same time, which was pretty intense, but also solidified that if there was a place that I ever wanted to end up like, after performing that like working in arts admin is something that I think I'd be really interested in. So anyways, during that time, I decided that I would audition for some AD programs. And I had heard a lot of really great things about the Houston Grand Opera Studio Program and had done a lot of research into like what the structure of the program was, what kinds of things they offered and had spoken to like guest artists who had sung there before that really enjoyed their time there. And it was kind of another one of those gut feeling moments where I was like, I think this might be the next place for me. Mm -hmm. So then I ended up auditioning there while I was still working. Like that was like the craziest week of my entire life of still having to work full time my job, but also go and do their week long audition process that they do there. It's Uh very intense. So and then I was accepted into the studio program after that audition and have just like crazily enough, like two years later, have completed... 
that whole program now. Yeah. Um, During the pandemic as well. Yeah, that was pretty, yeah, there was definitely a stark contrast between the two years, like very pandemic heavy year, and then the slow introduction back into live performances. So yeah. kind of got like the best of two worlds in a way, like time to just incubate and practice and take lessons and work on technique, all those good things. And then have a year of main stage performances where you could be in the operas, work with guest artists, work with guest conductors. And so since then, I've met my wonderful manager, Jamie Bursett, and have just slowly started to ease into performing on contract now. So now I'm doing my first post-studio completion professional contract here at San Francisco Opera. So that's so exciting. Sorry, I was like, thank you. Yeah, sorry. That's like so like long-winded. No, but I mean, that's what a career is, right? Is is a baby steps to and it's always interesting for me to hear I like your analogy to the slow cooked brisket yeah of, of, a, of an approach yeah because I feel like a lot of times especially in a conservatory environment it's a little bit of the like what's next what's next oh I need that opportunity I need this one and hearing that you took the opposite approach of like no let's just like work on me and like go at my pace yeah is empowering in a way because it's so easy to be kind of trapped into that environment of like yeah oh, I gotta go get them kind of thing you know yeah especially like musicians and I feel like for myself as a person like I'm definitely a sponge of what's around me Mm -hmm. and that's like mentally emotionally like what's around me and so I think it's really easy to get caught up in the anxiety of like what's coming next and not knowing and the fear of the unknown like being afraid Mm -hmm. of not knowing and just kind of having to take a leap of faith and so there's comfort and stability and just doing it step by step by step but I think like for me yeah it was really important to be able to take time to listen to what I really wanted and to make sure that whatever I did next was something that I was really committed to and that I had reasons for myself like very clear goals of what I thought I was going to get out of it and reasons why I, I wanted to do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's absolutely admirable that you had that kind of perspective. For oh, sure. Thank you. Why are you categorized as being a mezzo soprano? And what roles do you hope to one day sing? So I, in like layman's terms, I'm categorized as a mezzo soprano because my voice wants to sit a little bit lower. Like all people kind of like all female voice types will most often like train the same way. But just where someone's like speaking voice, a lot of times you can kind of tell where their voice like we call it like wants to sit so since my voice sits lower it's more comfortable in roles that sing in a lower range or if they do sing high it's only for a short period of time simply because like yeah it's like the idea of like how to healthily and efficiently sing and so if you try to sing outside of what you're intended range is you could risk kind of like overtiring yourself or like hurting yourself. So that's basically why I'm classified as a mezzo, which is cool because I I love the mezzo roles. Like they have like Mm -hmm. a lot of character, a lot of variety, and sometimes it's like a lot less pressure. It's like really hard to be a soprano. So (laughs) every single time like anyone ever makes a joke to me like about soprano, like ever being a soprano, I just like tell them that I'm going to keep drinking beer and ensure that that <laughs> <laughs> ensure that that never happens, happens to me yeah. <laughs> That's beer beer and like whiskey yeah <laughs> <laughs> that like ensures my fate yeah. um <laughs> 
in well, terms is of- it also true that as you age does your voice also kind of dip lower or am i wrong about that it depends because i think like a lot of people would say that as you get older like the longevity of your voice is very much dependent on your technique like how long you can make it last i think some people as they get older may lose parts of their range maybe harder to sing higher but where your voice sits probably won't Okay. Change. Like if you're a soprano, you'll be a soprano. Some people kind of like to delve. Like I think there's a lot of controversy over what they call the Fox system, which is like a German term used to classify voices in like mezzo soprano, soprano, tenor, blah, 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 blah. blah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think like some people are kind of resistant to it. The idea of like putting things in a box and like, why can't people sing what fits, which I, I totally get and understand. And I think it's the idea of like labels sometimes are for other people to understand more than for you to understand. What also interests me when I was chatting with Tommy once was, and you touched on this just a second ago, that how much your voice type determines certain characters you play. Mm-hmm. And I never exactly equated that before. So for instance, he was like, oh, I love being a baritone. Like, I would never want to be a tenor because I, I would be, it would be the hopeless romantic or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, that's kind of a boring role to play after a while. It's like, oh, I never really thought of it that way, but it's true, isn't it? Yeah. No, it is true. It can be challenging sometimes depending on what your... I don't know, like dramaturgical aspirations are because the, I think that's where some of the resistance comes for the Fox system is that it can really, really limit what kinds of characters you play. I mean, I feel like as a mezzo that I've really lucked out, like, I know you can't like curse, but they say like witches and like, eh, like bitches yeah. and britches. Like that's because you're right. like doing pants roles. You're playing like evil stepsisters. Uh-huh. Sometimes you're kind of playing a love interest, but a lot of times that may not be the case. It just depends on the repertoire. So or I feel like there's a lot of love interests or something like that. Yeah. Like a secondary love interest. I feel that there is a little more variety for mezzos than there are for sopranos. So yeah, that's like definitely hard to find the marriage of what your voice wants to do and like what you want to do. Right. So what roles do you hope to one day play? It's so, oh gosh, it's hard because a lot of times, like we were talking about, like, so like instrumentalists, there are like orchestras in the country or symphonies, philharmonias around the world that are like the ensembles that you want to be a part of. And I feel like a lot of times singers will be asked, you know, like, what house do you want to perform at? what role there are definitely like some roles that I'm interested in but I find myself more and more working on contract that I find my yeah I find myself really more interested in like the people that I'm gonna work with because right okay it's one of those things where it's like no matter what role you're playing no matter what the music is like if the people that you're working with are great then it makes it a really rewarding experience and if they're not it makes it very trying but I would have to say that like in terms of I guess then like bucket list roles. I've always wanted to do a Melisande, the WC Pelias and Melisande. And someday down the road, I would love to do Rosen Cavalier, the Strauss opera. There's a really great pants role in that that I would love to do because I really enjoy doing pants roles. It's like a time where I feel most removed from myself because I'm truly like supposed to pretend to be pants roles are the term for uh, when a woman is playing a man in an opera. And so that always kind of feels like the most fun challenge because I feel like I'm truly trying to become someone completely different than myself. Yeah. So that's cool. I just thought like of the term drag king. Yeah. Pants roll. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. We love 
love it. Yes. Yes. Drag king for sure. (laughs) So can you tell me about some of your current upcoming projects? Yeah. So right now I am covering Bao Chai in the production here at San Francisco Opera, The Dream of the Red Chamber, which was premiered back in 2016, written by uh, Bright Shang. It's a really, really cool opera and has been beautifully designed and produced. And then... Oh, sorry? Uh, No, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just have a quick question. You said Mm -hmm. covering a role. Can you explain that? Oh, yeah. So covering, it's like understudying. So Mm -hmm. it's if the person who is cast in the role can't go on, then you get sent on. Sometimes it's like with a couple days notice. Sometimes it's with a couple hours notice. So you have a chance to like rehearse the show and they have a run of like all of the people who are covering these roles. Like you do a whole practice kind of performance of it Mm -hmm. and you have to be ready to just go on throughout the entire run at any moment for the role. Do you get your own performances set? Like you definitely are performing on these X days or is it always no. on the okay. Yeah, it's if always it... like the day that it happens. You gotta be like 15 minutes within like the opera house so that if like something were to happen and especially like with everything going on with the pandemic like covers oh, are yeah. being called in like all the time to mm-hmm. kind of take over for productions when people are, are getting sick so that's for right now and then finishing up at least like this calendar year after this I'll go to the Aspen Music Festival they're doing Don Giovanni so I'll be singing Donna Elvira in that and then almost immediately after that I will fly to Opera Philadelphia for their production of the Rossini Otello I'm singing the role of Amelia in that which is like the handmaiden maid of the female lead in that. And then right after that, I'll fly back to Houston, actually, for my first professional contract with them. They're doing Dame Ethel Smythe's The Wreckers. So I'm singing a pants roll in that. So yeah, really looking forward to those. It's going to be kind of a marathon of back-to-back travel, but it'll be really exciting to kind of be bopping from one project to the next and Mm -hmm. helps like keep my easily distracted, easily bored mind (laughs) (laughs) occupied for the rest of the year. So well, good luck with all your upcoming projects. It sounds really exciting. And I'm really happy to hear that it seems like, of course, the COVID isn't over, but Mm. we are more able to go back to a normal We'll see again. So yes, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you ready to take a break? Sure. Okay, we'll be right back. friends. Are you enjoying this episode and are excited for more content to come? Consider becoming part of the Hayden Behind the Music Stand family on Patreon. Any contribution level helps keep the podcast alive. That's at patreon.com slash Hayden Music Stand. Other ways to support are to recommend episodes to friends and family and to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It's quick, easy, and a free way to spread the word about my fantastic guests and all the incredible accomplishments they achieve in the music world. Also, feel free to reach out to us through social media at Hyden Music Stand and by email HydenMusicStand at gmail.com. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Hey. 
So before we continue on with the next segment, I wanted to be sure to say to my listeners to please drink responsibly. Make sure you are 21 years of age or older to enjoy a beverage. And if you found yourself to have overindulged in any way, please drink many glasses of water, eat some food, maybe take a couple milligrams of ibuprofen and get home safely. Don't drink and drive, folks. On that note, let's get going to the rest of the show. Welcome back from the break. So, beer, tell me all about it. What is your, how did you get into this? I guess, I don't know how to say interest. It's not really, I mean, what do you, I don't know. How do I start? <laughs> I'm panicking. Okay, let me start over. Let me start over. Is it panic or excitement? That's what it is. For it's me. just both. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like uh, for for any, I think, like I shouldn't say like for any good hobby, that's probably not true. At least like for me, it started out as like a social thing, you know, like going out yeah. with friends. I think it's like really common, especially after rehearsals, like even when I was doing community theater and when I was in college and stuff like that, like after, you know, you finish a rehearsal, a lot of times you're just like, well, I could really use a beer right now. I could use yeah. a little drink or just like a way to unwind. And it's a great way I've found, like, especially when you're on contract and meeting new people, like, and you're hanging out with all of them for like a short period of time. I think a really great way to get to know people is very naturally, like after rehearsal, go out and get some food together and chat. So for me, I think it kind of, yeah, started when I had like finished college and was doing a lot of community theater productions and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So where I grew up in Clinton, New York, there is at least regionally a pretty well-known brewery called the Saranac Brewing Company or the FX Matt Brewing Company. And then like their beer is like Saranac. And so in the summertime on Thursdays, they do this thing called like Saranac Thursdays where they have like live music and beer and all this like fun stuff. And so I used to go to that a lot like with friends and like after rehearsals and stuff like that. And then as I started traveling outside of that area like a really cool way to like get to know where I was and these new places was to like find a brewery and get Mm -hmm. to kind of know a lot of like the local culture that way and like especially down in Houston like there are so many breweries down there like their local beer is so 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 good and yeah I feel like a lot of times I'm still learning from like a lot of people like friends around me who know a lot about like the beer making process and like fermentation and all that stuff and just like over time yeah trying to kind of refine my palate and figure out what beers I like and what beers I don't like and yeah right so so what beers do you or don't like okay so I'm not a big porter fan like if I'm gonna have a dark beer I would rather go for a stout like I love Mm -hmm. like those like coffee stouts or like the ones that are funky flavors like I feel like I see a lot of like these like caramel Samoa like stouts mm-hmm. like blah 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 they're a lot better for if you're someone like me who sometimes <laughs> suffers from like heartburn oh, beers okay. like stouts are actually like a lot better for you than like an IPA like an India pale ale so I really like those I'm not a huge like just light pilsner beer person I don't really like Kolsch's sometimes I'll like kind of like especially in the summertime I'll want to have like a, a lighter beer like the yeah there's a brewery in Houston called St. Arnold's it's like the oldest mm-hmm. brewery in Texas 
and they have a really great summer pilsner that every now and then I'll kind of indulge. Yeah, I'll indulge in, in a nightmare. But in general, like I really, I, I hate to like be that person, but I I do really like IPAs. I had I to. Too. They're so good. <laughs> I had to take some time off of it after college because I started getting really bad heartburn, and so like oh, you really okay. can't like have too much. Too much. It was like a mixture of a lot of coffee, a lot of beer, a lot of acidity, like in my diet. So, but then I've kind of slowly reintroduced them back in because I couldn't stay away for too long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I understand. Yeah, yeah. so I love. Yeah, I love IPAs. Every now and then I'll try like a double IPA or something. I was about to ask. But yeah. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever had a triple IPA? I have. They're, what do you think of those? Sometimes they're just too intense. Like they are so hopped up that it's just I find myself just puckering and just like like it yeah. just ugh, it doesn't taste yeah. sometimes yeah, sometimes it's just too too strong a flavor for okay. me. But if you have a recommendation for a triple, I will absolutely take it. Well 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 <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> No, it's because I real okay. So my story goes to a microbrewer in San Francisco, but then I was like, "Wait, you're there right now!" <laughs> oh yes! Oh my Maybe. gosh! Yes. <laughs> but I have no. It's it's kind of elusive because I mean, this was years ago, and I also don't know if the person still does this. It was like called Jungle Juice. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, it was. So in San Francisco on Ninth and Irving, there's a bar called Social or Social Social. Okay. Okay. And they primarily have micro brewers around the city present their work at social. Oh, and they have cool. pretty good food too. In February, they did a specific, like, I guess, a visiting micro brewers mm-hmm. uh, for beer month, I guess. I think it's called beer month. Oh, that's February. perfect. The best month ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so one of the rotating taps was this jungle juice. That was a triple IPA. And it was the first I've ever had. And it was very, very easy to drink. Oh, a little I too easy that. to drink. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> But I had a really, I mean, past guest Evo Bokluk and I had a really fun time together at that. It was one of those stories where we walked in after studying at the conservatory there and we're on our way home and decided to just grab a drink, right? Mm-hmm. Just to kind of wind down. Yeah. And we walked into social and it happened to be like literally no one there except the bartender. Oh so my gosh. We, yeah. Yeah. So it was this kind of cool evening where we were drinking. And of course, you know, we were getting some free beers too. So it was, and we were drinking a lot of this junk. I was drinking a lot of this jungle juice. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad I, I had Muni to take me home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was really cool because it's like we got to learn about the bartender and just like chill and have yeah. that kind of like rapport. And yeah, of I course, love... like they're always interested about musicians and you know, Evo's a viola, so he had his viola with it, you know, stuff like that. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah, I love like if I'm ever at a restaurant or like a bar or brewery like I love to sit at the bar and like yeah talk to the yeah. person it's always like yeah. dicey to tell people that you're a singer because if I were like if I played like the oboe and I didn't have my they wouldn't be like can you play something but oh, it's always like yeah everyone is like there have been times where I've literally been checking out like buying groceries before and somehow being a singer like comes up in conversation because I, I like making like small talk with like people that I don't know and somehow like unfortunately 
like, I usually don't tell people I'm a singer, but somehow it came up and I was like, can you sing something right now? I was like bagging uh, my groceries and I was like, yeah, oh, no, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> <laughs> off duty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's like a jukebox or something. You have to like charge them, like, give me a. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. It was like, like Baymax or whatever that like movie, like Big Hero 6, yeah. like should need to be like reinflated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I apologize on behalf of many who don't know that that's annoying. <laughs> oh no it's oh it's totally fine like it's one it's like you can't hold it against it's them I just of, feel bad because yeah. I never sing for them I'm just right like, right like, it, so no. your version so my version of that is anytime I go on an airplane with my cello mm. and someone always says oh wouldn't you have rather played the flute okay <laughs> oh my god yeah. <laughs> the last time crazy. I I yeah, uh, last time I was on a plane, which was not too long ago, I literally heard that. I was like, wow, I haven't heard that in a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But anyway, going back to beer, I was just asking about triple IPAs because I know that that's like kind of a, a real test of like, how much do you really, you know, commit yeah. to that hops? Yeah. Yeah, um, it would just depend. Like, I do really like double IPAs for sure. But mm-hmm. like, yeah. I have yet to find a triple that wasn't a too huge much. undertaking. But if I ever see that like because I'll follow like especially down in Houston I'm now following like a lot of the local breweries there and so if I see mm-hmm. that they've got one like on tap or like if they've got like a new beer out then I definitely will at least go and like try it yeah so. cool so which breweries can you plug oh oh my gosh what I really like about the breweries down in Houston is that they all have like a very different like as the kids say like a different vibe so the kids say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well because like vibe I guess is I don't know like how it how it feels like what kind of no no i i know i was just cool (laughs) i just thought it was funny you slid that in (laughs) yeah (laughs) so like if i want kind of like a classic just sitting out like at picnic tables vibe like i really like going to say arnold's they have really good food and their beer is like they have my favorite ipa their art car ipa is so so it to me it's like the perfect ipa it's like the perfect amount of hops like yeah it's just like a really like really smooth drinking i feel like if you want something that's a little more like hole in the wall this Mm -hmm. place brash brewing company Mm -hmm. they have like cool arcade games um it's an outdoor venue like there's not really an inside place so during the summertime i don't really know what they do like for business but that's really cool they have like pool tables and ping pong tables and really cool like really old like vintage arcade games and then buff brew buffalo bayou brewing company they have a really cool three-story location that over like looks straight down into downtown so it has like the best view possible they also have like really 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 good food like a good like Mm. food plug for that place my friends in houston we've talked about their tikka masala tater tots like what it's i know it sounds like a total like ew like what like this random like texas brewery but there's something about these tikka masala tater tots like the actual curry is so like because i'm a huge foodie like i love good yeah. food like of any culture any kind of food like i love it yeah. and these tikka masala tots are out the of bomb. this world they're okay. insane i highly recommend okay. i feel like we should have done this interview before i went to houston <laughs> I know. i'm like i missed everything I know, i'll have to go again yeah yes, absolutely yeah yeah, I will. I will truly. If we're there at the same time, I will take you there myself. Absolutely, and make 100%. you eat these tots. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's gladly. It's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they sound really good. Wow, I never would have thought to put those two together, but it makes sense. I, know. I guess. But yeah. now, whoever did like 
they are truly Genius. my favorite person. Yes. <laughs> I've never I've never loved someone I never met as much as I love the person who made that dish. <laughs> <laughs> so what about sour beers? Oh, yeah. I do like sours. Yeah. Okay. I feel like a lot of times I'll do, if I do like a I, tasting, I'll try mm-hmm. like a little bit of a sour, but for me to drink like a to. whole, it takes a lot. I like ones that kind of have like some kind of like spice influence, like uh, mm-hmm. at Platypus Brewing in Houston. I feel like I remember I had like a pineapple jalapeno sour Ooh. or something that was really pretty tasty. And my younger brother went to culinary school actually at the Culinary oh. Institute of America, and he ended up getting really interested in like brewing and mixology while he was there and one time I went down and visited him when I was in graduate school was how we uh lined up he was finishing up undergraduate there and I happened to be like 30 minutes away from his campus so I drove down and visited and he had me try this like chili lime sour that he had made um it was actually pretty good too so (laughs) if it's got if it's got like the right because I love spicy food like so if a sour kind of has like a little bit of spice in it that makes it more interesting than just like tart Okay, so I love spicy food too. Mm -hmm. However... There's a cider house in the Twin Cities that produces like a jalapeno apple cider. Yum. Yeah, but every time I drink it, I almost get this gag reflex because it's like so, like it's something about inhaling it or something. Mm. It like kind of like tickles my, I don't know, something. Oh, and yeah. I always So I just like wonder, do you have any, like, how do you combat that? Just like, like the weird, Like the weird tickle. <laughs> Gosh, I never thought about it. Like. Because I want to enjoy it. And because I, I, I do enjoy it. But it's just like the actual drinking experience. I'm like always like about to cough or spit it out. Or yeah, no, gosh, I never I never thought about that. Like maybe subconsciously, my just, body like, like knows not to breathe. Or <laughs> 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 maybe it's like some kind of weird like singing thing. Like, I just, I, yeah, like... maybe you got some. Yeah. <laughs> You trained yourself. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. I well, feel next like, time you try one, tell, let me know. I absolutely will. I feel like I have to go on the hunt for some kind of like crazily spiced sour now, so I can test and and like see. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. You've given me something new to think about. I'm very intrigued. Okay. <laughs> So it seems like you kind of mentioned that you haven't yourself gotten into the chemistry of brewing your own beer. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you desire to do in the future? I feel like I definitely, it sounds like it's a heavily involved process, but it's something that I could really get interested in, especially I feel like when I have more time in between contracts versus kind of like the year-long grind of doing the young artist ship. But I feel like I would definitely try it. I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention like two of my really close friends from graduate school who also actually now live in Houston were also part of the reason that I feel like I started to try and refine my like love for beer because they yeah. for a while were doing like they had like this Instagram page called Beer Trackers and they were wherever they were traveling around together as a couple trying different beers and passing along suggestions and so they at one point tried making their own beer and the first time they did it they said it wasn't totally successful but then this past year they got married and for their wedding they brewed their own like wedding beer whoa and it was actually so 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 good so it kind oh, of like wow. made me feel like oh, maybe I would have like the confidence to kind of try and do this myself. But I feel like it would be so devastating if I like went through the whole process and then it ended up like not being good. I feel like I'd be like an intense sense of like personal failure for something that I love so much. (laughs) 
<laughs> I totally get that. I also was thinking how high stakes it is to make your own wedding beer. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. That was horrible. <laughs> I know, we were just talking about like cake baking. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. And stuff, and that's like, it's like the same kind of like stakes. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But the other thing I was thinking, I also relate with this feeling of doing all this work and putting effort into it and then it not turning out perfect the first time, basically. Yeah. I, I feel that with like a big musician like side of my brain. That's like you oh, have yeah. to do it if you if you have the recipe and you understand how to do it, you should be able to execute. But it's not like we were able to do that when we were kids either. So like, I don't know why we <laughs> so put true. such a pressure on us now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like maybe it's like one of the parts of my life where like practice makes perfect becomes like an allergy for me. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like why why would I take the time to practice and make it perfect when I could buy a perfectly perfect beer? Like well, sure. Elsewhere. Well, right. <laughs> well, because I don't know. Yeah, I think there's something fun, though, about understanding how what is the saying? How the sausage is made? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so yeah. true. Yeah. It's like, like your appreciation can only go so far. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't totally understand the process, yeah. or like, or if you yeah. like haven't gained like an appreciation or like a respect for the process. Right. So that totally makes sense. Yeah. It seems like most of your beer exploration has been in America right yeah have you done any international beers that you enjoyed or even ones that are sold in domestic you know here not yet but I'm hoping like it would be really great to be able to do more like international traveling now and so I feel like I could you know depending on where I am that's something that I will definitely kind of look to as like like I hear a lot of people like Tommy talking about how once you start doing these like four to six week contracts and just booping around that it's really important to try and create like a home away from home or find what works for you that like makes you feel at home so that you can relax into your environment and like your surroundings more quickly and I feel like in a way like finding breweries and finding local establishments it's like a way like especially like since like microbreweries and and local brewing companies rather than like larger like Bud Light and like blah 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 are becoming popular like it's a really cool way to get to know a community to just like Mm-hmm. talk to people like that it's like its own version of a mom and pop shop kind of mm-hmm. situation and so I think especially doing international travel that would be a really cool way to kind of get to know the people there yeah are there any other questions or thoughts that you had about your beer exploration that I either forgot to ask or you would like to talk about gosh I don't think so but if anyone can like offer suggestions from like their hometown areas or whatever yeah. just like places just as I'm bopping around the country like little shout outs from people who have like suggestions of places to visit mm-hmm. I'm all about that absolutely yeah please send any recommendations to hide and music stand at gmail.com <laughs> Send that all the way to Sun Lee as well. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Although, since you are in San Francisco, in lower hate, I would recommend going to Tornado. Oh, okay. It's a big beer hall, basically. Mm. They have a lot on tap. And it can get kind of busy on weekends. So just know okay. that. Oh, but that's, it is, that's good. It's know. a lot of really nice, tasty beers. I had heard one of the breweries that I've been hoping to check out. It's called like Laughing Monk Brewery. That had been suggested to me by a fellow artist here. And they have like really cool beers that are all like named after people. And they have a couple like cool like Star Wars 
themed like beers themed like brother luke yeah. and like sister leia and stuff like sure. that so yeah 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 nice okay. seemed like it seemed like kind of like a cool place to check out so yeah Okay, well, thanks for talking about beer with me. Again, I wish that we had some to Consume. share together with. Absolutely, yeah. I know. <laughs> but yeah, like sometime in person. Let's, yes. Like, I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> Perfect, and I'll buy you tikka masala tots. <laughs> okay, sounds great. Perfect. <laughs> Can I ask you two final questions? Yes. What is one piece of advice you would tell your younger self about entering and pursuing a music career? I think the best advice that I've ever gotten that I would pass on to myself and like anyone is listen more. Mm. I think like along with like the anxiety of being like a young musician and especially when you're first starting out, there's always a desire to kind of prove yourself or show that you've done the work, that you've practiced, that you've done your research you know your translation, you know the historical context of the piece, all this stuff. But I've found that as I've gotten older, we'll say with air quotes, that the more I listen, the better the experience is. Like there are Mm. so, so many people in this field that have a lot to offer and a lot of knowledge and wisdom to bestow on us. And I feel like the biggest mistake that anyone can make is to ever assume that they know the most in the room or that they are Mm -hmm. the most prepared and have the most to Mm -hmm. offer. Because nine times out of 10, that's probably not the case and you're shutting yourself off from a really good opportunity to learn from a lot of really experienced people around you so I would say yeah like listen listen more Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just want to tag on a little bit for those who might have heard this saying already before but I it was for me it was a new one if you assume you make an ass out of you and me yeah I love yes It's so concise and I love it. But yeah, it's just like, I think about that a lot ever since I've heard that statement. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually, (laughs) I do too. I actually used, that's, I used that statement, like, I think actually yesterday or the day before, like as a joke, like, (laughs) it was just, (laughs) but it was so, it was like, yeah, it's one of those things that is applicable in in many different situations but particularly I think in terms of like musical collaboration and stuff yeah it's I think in other words it's sort of a balance of ego to not ego I guess the opposite of ego yeah yeah and I think it's like knowing yeah like what your goals are Mm -hmm. in a rehearsal room like what you hope to get out of it because if the goal is to show then that there's like only so far as that We'll mm-hmm. go like that's all you'll get out of it, and it it's about right. like reception and receiving, and so yeah, yeah. I think that that's like for sure the best advice I ever got. Yeah, and my second question: How has the pandemic changed your career? I said this once, like on a panel discussion that I participated in a few weeks ago, that was talking about Asian American Pacific Islander representation in the arts, mm-hmm. and I feel like the pandemic was an unexpected blessing, shall we say, like for my development, I think as a person and as a singer, because I think the pandemic has made us really stop and listen and has kind of given us permission to slow down this crazy high stakes pace that we're always in, in this industry. And it gave me time to just put my head down, not worry about having some kind of crazy Instagram presence, not worry about this, like, where am I going and always thinking about the next thing. It gave me time to really just like practice and take in a lot of repertoire and really get to focus on my experience 
in the Houston Grand Opera studio with with purpose and with I think specificity to mm-hmm. be able to really instead of just survival in a crazy like performance season it was really trying to decide what my goals were and what I was hoping to get out of being there and being able to put that into action in real time but in like paused time almost so I feel really fortunate I know that is not I I don't say that lightly because I know that's not necessarily everyone's experience but I do think that like outside of a lot of the loss that happened in the pandemic not just personal loss but also like professional loss I do feel like there is a real push towards like focus on like mental health emotional health and people being able to invest in things like something I like what this podcast is like getting to invest in things outside of music and recognize that like you're more than your job you like work to live you don't live to work right and I would hope that that would be kind of a positive thing for all musicians like focusing on family focusing on themselves focusing on like self-care I know that's like kind of like a hot word or maybe it's a not good word anymore but like I think there or self-love yeah Yeah. self-love yeah yeah that's great I love that yeah yeah thanks for answering those questions so candidly and I think that we can all certainly reflect on on what you said well thank you and I relate with those responses as well are there any platforms or websites for our listeners to learn more about you or any upcoming projects sure so my website if you'd like to take a gander is www.com Sunly Pierce, S U N L Y P I E R C E Mezzo, M E Z Z O dot com. And uh, feel free to follow me on Instagram, Sunly underscore Pierce. I can't guarantee like the most thrilling content. It's probably going to be a lot of, at this point, especially being in San Francisco, it's going to be a lot of like aquariums, beer, food. Like, <laughs> so if that's something that I, mean, is... well, I, I think that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's like the content that the people are waiting for. Exactly. <laughs> it's the content that the public wants. But <laughs> that's <laughs> that's all I will have going on beyond like work stuff. I am, however, really excited as like a side triangle tangent to be in San Francisco for Pride, for Pride Month. Yeah. That is super oh exciting. So I, I fully intend to go to the parades and all the festivities. That'll be really exciting. Yeah. Oh, it's so much. Oh my gosh. San Francisco knows how to party. So. <laughs> oh, I, I have, <laughs> and parade too. Yeah, yeah. I have gleaned that. So yeah, I'm excited to yes. take part in all those festivities. Yeah, that's exciting. Thank you so much, Sunly, for joining me today on the podcast. It's such a pleasure to get to know you. And clearly we have so many things in common. So. Yes. <laughs> I know we have much to discuss beyond these topics. Beer for sure. and... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope someday that we will connect in person and absolutely grab a drink. And hopefully other people have created masala tater tots too. Yeah, or we'll just like do takeout and do like a combo. We'll like make it ourselves. Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks again. And thanks for listening. Say bye, sushi. Would you like a kazoo, a slide whistle, a cowbell, electric keyboard, a triangle, 
I feel like I'm missing one instrument in here. But any of those pop out at you? I feel like maybe a triangle for my life would be interesting because my mind is always kind of all over the place. And like, I feel like, (laughs) and I think it makes for good music making and performance to have kind of like lots of ideas bouncing around. But I feel like it'd be interesting to just ding it every single time my train of thought changes or I lose focus on something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm pulling out my triangle. Should I like, <laughs> if, if we ever get stripped, like, you know, on a tangent for too long, I'll just bang the triangle? Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, where's the triangle ding? I feel like I just lost track oh, of the question. Oh, 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 I got you. I got you. Oh, that was a bad one, though. <laughs> I, did it on, I, like, missed and then on the rebound got it. <laughs> Maybe we can, like, edit. We could always, like, edit in, like, a professional... Yeah, like a perfect, <laughs> perfect ding, and we'll just exactly. say, Airy, we'll say was us. <laughs> I have a percussionist friend who is always like, "Nope, it's not good enough." <laughs> That's why I was like, if she listens to the podcast, I was like, "Okay, she can do it." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's like, well, then offer me free lessons. And then I'll learn. <laughs>